Well, today we are wrapping up the series Green Peace with a talk I've titled Super Saver. If you are a first-time guest with us, we have been in a financial series throughout this month of November. Um, and maybe you're here for the first time and you're a little skeptical. You're in church and you've heard all churches want is your money and things of that nature. I just want you to know you can relax here. Uh, this is a safe place. I'm not a con artist, a shenanigan, not playing any games or any, any, anything hokey pokey. I just want you to know that you can let your guards down. Uh, we just want to teach you some biblical principles because the days that we're living in are difficult. And we want you to have some biblical answers to have peace in your financial life. Super saver. You know, one of the things that I, I value greatly in my life is margin. Margin is very important to me. Matter of fact, one of the things that causes me to stress out, to get anxious and have anxiety, one of the things that causes me to lose my peace, one of the things that makes me irritable is when my schedule gets too packed. I don't have any margin in my time, in my, in my schedule, and I, I just don't like it. I, I don't function well without margin in my life. I can't be the husband that I need to be and invest in my relationship with my wife unless I have margin in my schedule. I can't be the father that God wants me to be and invest in my children and spend time with them unless I have margin in my schedule. I, I, I can't be the pastor that I need to be unless I have margin in my time, in my, in my schedule. You know, I, I need time. I like to have time to be able to pray over the message and, and study the message and have some creative elements. I have a, a weekly creative meeting about uh, the, the series that we're going to be in and the upcoming series and just so we can add creative elements. And, and when my schedule gets overwhelmed and packed and I don't have margin, my, my sermons are not as good. And some of you say, well, I can't tell the difference. All of them are bad to me. Well, that, that's okay. Amen. Praise the Lord anyways. But I, I know when I don't have margin in my life, I can't function at a high Level. And you're the same way. You get stressed out when you don't have margin. Your schedule is overwhelmed and packed. You don't function at a, 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 a good level. And you don't have any peace. You start to get anxious and, and, and nervous. we got to have margin in our lives. The Bible talks about margin. Did you realize the Scripture says one out of every seven days you need to take it off? You need to have margin. You've got to have space. You've got to have time to recuperate. Margin is important. You study Jesus' life. He was constantly pulling away from the disciples, the Bible would say, to a solitary place, to pray, to get along, to recharge his batteries. He would get his disciples and say, come on, boys, let's get in the boat. I know there are thousands of people who need, who need miracles, but right now, boys, we need margin. Let's get in the boat and go to the other side because margin is important. It's important in our time, our schedule, our relationships, and margin is also important. In our financial life. And we don't have margin in our financial life. We have no peace. We get stressed. We get anxious. And the scripture talks about having margin in our finances. In the book of Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number 20, scripture says it like this. In the house of the wise are stores. Stores of choice food and oil. There is margin. There is extra. But a foolish man devours all he has, there's no margin in the foolish man's house. You see, the scripture says the wise man, he may be earning 20000 a year, 50000 a year, 100000 a year, 200000 a year, a million dollars a year. But, but how much he earns is not a, 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 a characteristic or an attribute of his wisdom level. It doesn't matter how much he earns. He is wise because he has extra. He is wise because he lives within his means. People that are wise don't spend everything they make. They have savings. But, but the foolish man, and the foolish man may be making 20000 a year, 
50000 a year, 100000 a year, 200000 a year, a million dollars a year. But the foolish man devours all that he has. He spends every penny of it. The Bible says this is foolish. It is wisdom to save. And it's foolish to spend everything you earn. And for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about having financial margin. I want to talk to you about savings. Encourage you to grab a pen and some paper and just take some notes with me. Follow along in your bulletin and fill in the blanks. The first nugget that I want to share with you about savings, having margin financially, is save for emergencies. Save for emergencies. I want to share with you a story in the Bible about saving for emergencies. Can I tell you, the Bible is very practical. The Bible deals with everyday life. And I would encourage you to make it a habit to read the Bible on a daily basis. There is so much wisdom and insight in the Word of God to everyday life. Genesis chapter 41, verse number 46 says, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance of good times, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored, notice this, and stored. He, he, he saved, he had margin, he stored it in the cities. In each city he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. And Joseph stored up huge. I mean, this guy understood. I'm going to store up huge quantities. I'm going to have so much extra, so much savings quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Friends, Joseph understood the importance of savings. And do you know what the average person does? What the normal person does when times are good, when times are abundant, when when, when money is going well, the average normal person goes on a spending spree. Life's good. Making great money. Things are good. Going to get me a boat. Going to buy me a house. Going to upgrade. Things are good. I mean, things are great. Going to buy me a new car. Things are great. Things are good. Going to go out to eat every night. Things are great. I'm going to buy new gadgets and toys. Things are great. Things are, are good. And that's how the normal person operates. When things are good, they spin, spin, spin. And listen to me, church. I don't want you to be normal. I don't want you to be the average person. Normal means no margin. Normal means no savings. Normal means no peace. Say, Herbert, why don't you want us to be normal? Well, let's continue to read in the story. The same story about the years of plentiful of plenty with Joseph. The Bible says in chapter 41 and verse 53, the seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. Can I tell you, good times always come to an end. You know, we get all surprised. I can't believe there's a recession. Ah, Jesus is coming tomorrow. Listen, recessions always happen. Study history. Study the American history. I mean, about every other decade or so, we're going to have a, we're going to have a recession. You, you study world history. You study biblical history. I mean, in Joseph's day, everything wasn't great. The, the, the matter of fact, they had seven years of abundance, and then there was seven years of famine. I'm not a great mathematician, but to me, that sounds about like equal. Good times were good, and there were seven bad years. I mean, that, that's equal. 
The Bible says, listen, good times don't last forever. And the seven years of famine, verse 54, began. Just as Joseph had said, there was famine in all the other lands. But in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. Friends, good times don't last forever. Famines happen. Emergencies happen. They are a part of life. They were a part of life way back in the early biblical days, and they're still a part of life today. Let me share with you some nuggets here. I want to share three nuggets that won't come up up on the screen, but I want you to jot them down about saving for emergencies. Emergencies happen. Famines happen. Number one is this. Get a $1,000 emergency fund set aside. A $1,000 emergency fund set aside. Emergencies happen. Listen, you drive a car, sooner or later your car is going to have a flat. Emergencies happen. The alternator is going to go out on your car sooner or later. If you keep driving it, emergencies happen. You have appliances in your home. Their appliances, sooner or later, they will break down. You'll have to buy a new washer or a new dryer. Emergencies happen. It's a part of life. You live in a house. You live in a duplex. You live in an apartment. The plumbing will go out at some point. You're going to have a leak. You're going to have an issue. The central heat and air will go out at some point. You'll have a problem with it. You'll need some maintenance on it. Emergencies are a part of life. And listen, friends, if you don't set aside $1,000 for an emergency fund, do whatever it takes to set aside $1,000 for an emergency fund. Now, some of you are teeter-totter with Jesus. Do whatever it takes legally. Amen. Legally. I know some of you kind of shaky with Jesus. Amen. So I thought I better throw that out there. Praise the Lord. Uh, Pastor said, do whatever I got to do. You took it wrong. You took it wrong. You took it wrong. Listen to me. You'll never get out of debt if you don't set aside $1,000 for an emergency fund. Because what will happen if you try to attack your debt, attack your debt, and you don't have $1,000 set aside. Listen, when the car has a flat tire, the alternator goes out, you put it on the credit card because you don't have anything set aside for an emergency fund. It it, it is foundational. It is critical that you save $1,000 for an emergency fund. Listen, famines happen. They happen in Joseph's day. They happen in our day. We have to save for an emergency. Number two is this. Jot this down. Jot this down. Get three to six months of savings for a major emergency. The statistics say that about every 10 years, most people will have a major emergency. Somebody will get laid off. There'll be a health issue and maybe your insurance doesn't cover it. The car engine will just fall out the car. Not an alternator. You've got to replace the whole car. I mean, it, it went kaput. Emergencies happen about a major emergency about every 10 years. I love what Dave Ramsey says. Somebody says, Herbert, be positive. Be positive. I'm positive. And a major emergency is going to happen in the next 10 years in your life. I mean, it's a part of living life. And some financial experts would, would say, Before you set the three to six months aside for savings, once you have the $1,000 emergency fund, now start attacking the debt. So before you set the three to six months aside, attack the debt, get out of debt except for your house. And I believe this is really sound advice. But here's what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to pray. I would encourage you to seek some godly counsel and wisdom with somebody who handles finances good in, in, in in a biblical way. And get their advice about your particular situation. Now, my wife and I, we've been married about 12 years. In December, we'll be married 12 years. We got out of debt in the first two and a half years of our marriage. And then we got set us out the three to six months of, of emergency fund for a major emergency. That's how we did it. I'm not telling you that's exactly the way you should do it. Get some godly wisdom. And listen to me. Don't go to just any Christian. 
Because some Christians love the Lord, but they can't handle any kind of money. Amen. They love the Lord, but they're upside down. Amen. So get, get some godly advice from somebody who can handle financial finances in a, in a godly way. They're good with stewardship. Number three, here's the third advice I want to give you. This is some of the best advice that I ever received when I first got married. Number three is this. Get a life insurance policy just in case the ultimate emergency happens. A life insurance policy. I would encourage you to do that. One of the things that I did for my wife is I took out a life insurance policy. When I had kids, I took out another life insurance policy. I'm worth more to my wife dead than I am alive. Amen. But you know what? There is peace in my mind, in my heart, because I know if something happens to me, I plan on being here a long time. But if something was to happen, the ultimate emergency, and don't we hate to talk about death, but it's a reality. If, we could, if, if Jesus doesn't come back for his church in the next hundred years, most of us in this place, in this building today, won't be here. It's this thing called death. And if something wants to happen to me, there's great peace knowing that my kids and my wife will be taken care of. I would encourage you. I would encourage you. It's very cheap to get yourself a life insurance policy. And I realize some of you are scared to get a life insurance policy. I know you are. Your marriage ain't going too good. Amen. You get get a life insurance policy, you might be dead next week. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's another message that I don't have time to deal with. Thou shalt not kill. Amen. I pray peace in your marriage and get you a life insurance policy. All right. Number two. Number two. There's a, a second nugget that I want to share with you today. Uh, we talked about save for emergencies. Number two is this. Save for purchases to avoid debt. Save for purchases to avoid debt. We, we taught you this last week that the big problem is getting out of debt, but the bigger problem is staying out of debt. And friends, to stay out of debt, you have to prepare for future purchases. You have to set aside for future purchases. How many of you ladies, I'm just talking to the ladies. Ladies, just pretend like your husband's not here. Pretend like yesterday when he was watching the OU game and they were losing, he was like, and you said, honey, he couldn't, he ignored you, you know, pretend like that right now. Okay, ladies, how many of you in the next five years going to need some new furniture? Just lift your hand high. Amen. I need some new, ooh, thank you, Jesus. Preach, pastor. You are on it today. You are on it. Listen, listen, and what most people do, what normal people do, is they go out and charge it. They go out and get it on interest. They go out and pay, get a credit card. And that, 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 that's what normal, don't be normal. Save now. Attack your debt. Get yourself out of debt. Get three to six months of, of emergency funds. Come on, come on, learn from the scripture. Joseph knew bad times were coming. Save, save, save. And then you save for purchases. Save to buy your next car. Pay cash for it. Save to buy your new furniture set. Pay cash for it. That 60-inch flat-screen LCD television that you've been lusting after, save for it. Don't put it on a credit card. Save for it and pay cash. And if you don't change your thinking with this, you'll never be get, able to get yourself out of debt. Because every time you need a future purchase, you'll go out and put it on a credit card. And that's not a great way to handle your finances and to have financial peace. Number three is this. Number three is this. Save and invest for your future. Save and invest for your future. <clears throat> the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6 through 8, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it 
stores, it saves, it invests in the future. It stores its provision in summer because the ant knows winter is coming. That little small little creature stores away, invests for the future because it knows summer is not going to last always. Winter is coming and it gathers its food at harvest. The ant is wise because it saves for the future. And I realize some of you don't save for the future. <clears throat> Excuse me, because you believe the Lord's coming back next year. Pastor, I don't, I'm not saving. The Lord's coming back next year. And you know what? The Lord may come back this week. He may come back today. He may come back next month. The Lord literally could come back next year. You may be right. But if he doesn't, when you're 70, you're going to be eating Alpo. You don't know what Alpo is? Dog food. Purina. Did that connect with you a little bit better? Purina at retirement. Because you thought the Lord was coming back. And the ant is smart enough to save for the future. You and I have to be like that little bitty ant, and we have to invest and save for the future. We, ha- we have to do that. Did you realize that if your credit card balance is $8,000, and that's the typical average on a credit card, $8,000, and you make the minimum monthly payments At the average interest rate, and the average interest rate is around 18%, it will take you 25 years and seven months to pay off $8,000 worth of debt. You will pay $15,432 in interest charges, almost twice the balance, bringing your total to $23,432. I hope you like the couch. Praise the Lord. If you didn't have your credit card payment of $218 a month, And instead, you invested those funds in 25 years with the average long-term rate of 12%, you would retire with over $1.3 million. And and all I'm saying is, listen, get out of debt and invest in your future. Don't, Don't give it to MasterCard. Don't give it to Visa. Don't give it to Bob Howard. Invest in your future. Let me say a quick word to college students. We have... Many college students that attend People's Church to our young couples here, young married couples. Let me say this to you. Invest now. Invest for your future right now. Don't, don't be like so many people, so many young people who think, you know what, Herbert, I've got time. I'm going to invest later. Listen, you start right now. It may just be $25 a month, but you start investing. It may be $50 a month. It may be $100 a month, but you start investing in your future right now. Now, can I tell you that compound interest is a powerful thing? I mean, you, you get compound interest working for you, it's a powerful thing. But can I tell you what's more powerful than compound interest? It's time. You get time and compound interest working together. It is a powerful, powerful combination. And as a young couple, as a college student, you start now and you invest 50 years or 40 years or 30 years. That is a powerful, you get compound interest and time working together. That is a powerful combination. We've been showing you some Dave Ramsey videos throughout this series. Dave, if you're new to the church today, Dave is a financial genius expert. He has his own television show, his own radio show. He has his own curriculum. He has helped thousands of people get out of debt. And today, I want you to hear what Dave Ramsey has to say about savings. Check out this video. See, what we're talking about here is, is that savings must become a priority, not an intellectual discussion, because I've never interviewed somebody that says, no, I think savings is dumb. 
I think saving money is a really dumb idea. I've never heard people say that. But everybody talks about it and no one does it. This is where you actually have to learn to decide to pay yourself first. You need to learn to give, save, and then pay bills. And i got to tell you, when I first started doing this stuff, I was weak. It was hard for me. And I had to learn to just take my giving, my tithing as a Christian, off my budget, my saving off my budget, do it over here, and budget with what was left. Because if I ever put it up there on the budget, it would kind of sink down in there. There was always something that seemed a little bit more important that would jump up and bite it. And, it would, and, I, and I wouldn't be giving like I wanted to, and I wouldn't be saving like I wanted to. You've got to make it a priority. Let, let's kind of talk about it this way. How many of you in here have children? Raise your hand. Once I get your hand up, keep it up. Now, if you have children, how, and how many of you, keep your hand up. If you don't have children, how many of you hope to someday? Or there's a child anywhere on the planet you kind of like? Okay. Now, that's just about everybody, right? So stay with me here. Now, you can put your hands down, but let's pretend for a second that, that a disease had broken out. That would be awful. And there was a vaccine that was needed to save the life of your child. And that vaccine was going to cost $5,000 cash, and you had to save $5,000 cash by the end of the year. You had to save $5,000 cash by six or eight months from now. And you couldn't go get it. You had, to, you had to change your behaviors and save money. If it meant the life of your child, how many of us could find and save $5,000? One lady's like, which kid? <laughs> but we could do it. All that means is this. Now, obviously, that, we didn't give you a raise. We didn't give you a budgeting technique. We didn't give you some magic pill to make you rich. You changed your priorities. In that horrible, macabre example, you looked at it and you said, if I had to, I could do it. If it became important enough to me, I could do it. You would reprioritize your life. Let me tell you what. That's when people start saving money. When it becomes important. And it's important. Because I tell you what, we got people, we've got a whole culture wandering through life like Gomer Powell on Valium. <laughs> and they wake up at retirement and go, Shazam, I'm broke. I sure hope the government, which is well known for its ability to handle money, will take care of me. <laughs> this is a dumb plan. Saving money as a way of life is an exercise of character. It's an exercise of emotion. It's absolutely vital. You know, the U.S. has a negative savings rate. And countries like Japan and European countries, many of them have a positive savings rate. You know what a negative savings rate means? That means we are spending more than we make. Hello. That's not hard to figure out, is it? We're spending more than we save. We're eating into our savings every year. We have a negative savings rate. That's got to change as a culture or we're going to fail. Saving money is about emotion and it's about contentment. When we use that example of the vaccine with a child, your emotion gets you and you say, I can, ah, I can do this. Ooh. And it's also about contentment. It's about, you know what, I don't have to impress you. I don't have to buy something to feel good about myself. It's okay to get me some stuff, but I'm just going to be okay where I am because it's more important for me to be able to have some savings to go to college, send my kids to college, to retire with dignity, to change my family tree, to have some stability for the first time ever in our household. That's more important than buying that thingy. And I'm not against thingies, but there's a process here that you've got to engage in. It has to become very, very important. And our parents never talked about savings much. For that matter, in a lot of households, parents didn't talk about money, did they? Our parents didn't talk about money and they didn't talk about sex. We figured they had neither. Turns out they had both. 
And so we've got to talk about this out loud. We've got to say savings matters. You know, according to the Employee Benefit Research Institute, 58% of American workers have never even calculated what it will take for them to retire with dignity. Savings, savings, savings. I know some of you right now, you're overwhelmed. You're upside down financially. And you're thinking, Herbert, how can I do this? How can I do this? And I want to wrap up this message by just reiterating what Dave said and a biblical principle, some biblical principles that will help you uh, in a tremendous way. What I want to do is give you three keys to saving for your future. Herbert, how? I'm overwhelmed. How do I do it? How do I do it? Number one is this. Number one is this. Pay God first. Pay God first. God wants to be first in our lives. One of the principles in God's word is when you put God first in the area of your life, he will bless it. It's the principle of the first. You want God to bless your marriage? Put him first. You put God first at your workplace? God will bless it. You put God first in your parenting? God will bless it. You put God first in your workplace? God will bless it. You put God first in your finances? God will bless it. The principle of the first. God wants to be first. And when God is first, he blesses that area of your life. The scripture says it like this in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency and with the first fruits, the first, the first 10%, the, the tithe, the first fruits of all your income. God says, don't give it to me. Second, don't give it to me. Third, I want to be first. I want you to honor me first and then I'll bless you. Verse number 10. So shall your storage places be filled with plenty and your vat shall be overflowing with new wine. Give God the first 10% of your finances and he will bless the rest. It's the principle of the first. It's all throughout the Bible. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33. But seek first. God says, don't put me second. Don't put me third. Don't put me last. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you as well. God says, put me first and I will bless you. I am so passionate about this. If you'll get God involved in your finances, he will bless you and help you. You say, Herbert, all you want is my money. Listen to me. If you feel that way, I've said this earlier in this series because I really believe this with all my heart. If you believe that, I encourage you to find a new church home and start tithing there. You start tithing there. And I'm serious. When God blesses you, because he will, you come on back to people's church. I won't say nothing about you. Hey, man, you just come on back. Either your seat will be here, it'll be comfortable because this principle works. You put God first and he will bless your financial life. There's a lady in our church who started practicing the principle of the first. Didn't grow up in a Christian home. Didn't, growing up here, didn't grow up hearing this principle, but began to practice it. And God has blessed her life. Check out Hillary's testimony. I didn't grow up in church, didn't grow up believing God. Um, money in my family was always pretty tight. Um, there was always just enough. You know, we lived in a good-sized house, and so all my friends always thought we had money, you know, but I never had very much of anything extra um, outside of what we just did on a daily basis. And from the time that I was pretty young, you know, old enough to work, I was working, I was paying for my own car, my own phone, my insurance, everything extra that I wanted, clothes, food, everything. And um, one day I started going to church with a friend of mine, um, mostly just for social activities, and uh, wasn't a believer, was going all kinds of different things, and um, just kind of thought I was too smart to think that something like God could just exist. And then one day I was at just a regular service, and 
and uh, they were doing the altar call, and I was just kind of respectfully sitting there, and, and I just felt God say, you know, go down to the front. Um, and it's just kind of the most miraculous thing that's ever happened to me. Um, and so I went down, and I accepted Christ, and um, started going to, to church with one of my friends, and the, the whole concept of tithing was something I'd never even heard of. Um, it wasn't something that anyone I knew practiced, that I knew of. Um, my family didn't, I didn't, um, and at that time, you know, me thinking about it, I'm like, 10% is a big chunk of my income, you know, but, you know, I read the verse that it said, that God said, test me in this, you know, and I was like, well, it's something that God is saying to test him, you know, I'll take him up on it, and so I did, and uh, at first when I started tithing, it wasn't something that um, I did first thing, it wasn't something that I took here's what I gotta do, I'm excited about it, here's my 10%, you know, it was something that was really tough for me. And the more I did it, the more it just kind of became second nature, you know. And there were so many times that God just showed up in my finances. There were times that the car would break down and I would have no money to pay for it. And then all of a sudden the money would just come from somewhere um, that couldn't be explained other than God just providing that money due to my faithfulness to tithe. And um, just now, it's something that I do first thing. You know, I, I go and I click on the website and I just deposit it immediately. And I hear people talk about sometimes we tithe um, and it's kind of an option. You know, if it's there, then we'll do it. If we can pay the bills first, then, you know, and I just want to say, you know, it's not an option. You know, just the same way that I think about it, I don't think about if I'm going to pay my taxes. I just it just comes out you know that's the way my tithe is but with that tax you know with the taxes there's nothing added to it you know with that tithe then that small amount of money is taken and multiplied by God in the church and what the church does with it and multiplied as well in my own personal finances start today pay God first and he will bless the rest there's a second principle I want to share with you Number two is this, pay me second. Pay me second. You have to save money or pay yourself before you pay your bills, or you will never, please hear me, you will never save and invest for your future if you don't pay yourself second. Do not pay everybody else before you pay. Herbert, that's not normal. I know it's not normal. Normal is no margin, no savings, no savings, and no peace. That's normal. I don't want you to be normal. I don't want you to do that. I want you to be disciplined and pay God first and pay yourself second. It's biblical because the last thing that I want is you to get to 70 years old and be eating out bowl for dinner. Amen. I'll give you some salt. Praise the Lord. I want you to avoid that. I want you to avoid. You got to pay yourself second and that requires discipline. I realize for some of you that requires a major lifestyle change and it's well worth it that you could have green peace in your life. Number three is this. Number three is this. Pay them third. Pay them third. After you pay God, then pay yourself, then pay your bills. Adjust your lifestyle to live this way. The scripture says in Romans chapter 13 and verse number eight, let no debt remain outstanding. Let me insert something for a believer, for a Christian, for a follower of Christ. It is an evil thing to go out and to purchase something on credit, on debt, and with no intention to repay it. 
The scripture says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Pay them third. You say, Herbert, how do I do that? Herbert, if you knew my financial situation, if you knew how upside down I was, if you knew the situation I was in, I don't think you would give me that advice. And I want to help you. We really want to help you as a church. We're going to have a class, a free workshop, that we're going to sit down with a budget sheet. And we're going to help you get this on paper so that you can get on a budget and attack your debt and start getting some green peace in your life. This class begins December the 9th and December the 16th on a Wednesday night. Child care is provided. Greenpeace workshop. Just check the box. Turn this card in at one of the welcome centers as you leave out today. We'll get you signed up. We want to be praying for God to do a work in your life. Also, there's Financial Peace University, the Dave Ramsey class. Take that card. Check the box. Fill your name out. Get it turned into the welcome center. This class costs $99. We don't make a dime from it. This is how much Dave Ramsey charges for the materials. This is an in-depth, in-depth, intense study on how to get out of debt, on how to honor God on how to get yourself financially free. We want to get you in this class. It will be offered right here at People's Church beginning January 20th on Wednesday night. The $99 includes you and your spouse. Get plugged in. Let us sit down. Let some of our financial people in our church sit down and help you get free. It is possible. I say this to you. You say, Herbert, you don't understand. You don't Listen, you feel defeated right now. I don't want you to leave defeated. I want you to have your held, head held up high because you can do all things. Through Christ, who gives you strength. I don't care where you are. The Lord can help you. And I want you to experience green peace. Get signed up and let us help you get some margin in your life. Father, I worship you today. I thank you that your word is so powerful.